0: Just when you thought John Tortorella of the Columbus Blue Jackets couldn't get any zanier, he goes and does something like this.
1: Mrs. Reed? Mrs. Reed? Hi, this is John Tortorella. I'm in the middle of a press conference here. And you're, you're a, no, that's okay. I'd rather talk to you than your husband. I mean, your son, so. Um, I'll be done in about five. Minutes. I've seen you call a few times. So it's rude of, it's rude of yeah he's rude of him not to call you back but he's busy right now. It's nice talking to you. Okay, have a nice day.
0: So what you just heard there, he was at his press conference as coaches normally do in the NHL and a reporter for the Athletic, Tom Reed, had left his phone on the podium um to record him, right? Uh, his, you know, his press conference and uh, it's something that that reporters regularly do. The phone kept ringing from the reporter's mom, so John Tortorella picked up the phone and had a little chat. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can tell that, that Tortorella's in a good mood
2: these days, which we'll talk about more later, but yeah. he's, he's a happy camper. Something Seems tells something.
1: me we need a new segment called the, the Torts segment or something. Yeah. We yeah. almost
2: do this week in Torts.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sound of Hockey episode 25. It is the Jonas Brodine episode. Oh, boy. <laughs> Which brings me to our most recent review on the Apple Podcast app. Make sure to you send your five-star review as well if you haven't. Uh, this one says, I'm hooked from MN in Seattle. I eagerly await your episodes and I appreciate your format, banter, and content. You keep me up to date on all things NHL to Seattle and bring highlights from the league. I would like Darren to find a different outlet to get into the minutia of the wild, and I'm a wild fan. Wow. I didn't write that. I swear to God. (laughs) Listen, they say that the first step is admitting that you have a problem, and one day I'm sure I will do that, so... (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I I mean it's just it's tough. I I love the wild and we're on a hockey podcast. Yeah, the irony here is that I have an outlet. I write for a wild blog. <laughs> and that's not enough. <laughs> uh, well I mean what about Andy talking about like the Canucks all the time, huh? Uh,
1: all is it the just, time. Is it it not as much. Yeah.
0: Okay. I don't think <laughs> okay. I okay. even talk
1: about the Sharks mm-hmm. that much. All right, so I, I like fine. the
2: I like the idea of a different outlet though. I picture Darren on a street corner like a sandwich board. <laughs> Talk, talk wild Let to me. Ta- me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about Zach Parise. That's not nothing like Darren, but that was my impression. Anyways. Yeah, that was very sweet. I
0: squeaky. think we have a lot of Minnesota
1: content on this episode. <laughs> All, right. All right.
0: We also had a, a review from Erica Berry, who is a a good Twitter friend of ours. She's, She's a, awesome. Yeah, she says, hanging with your besties. Another five-star review. She said, great podcast that focuses on all aspects of hockey, not just what's going on with Seattle. Funny, and it feels like you're just hanging out with a bunch of friends, but sometimes you learn stuff. So thanks for that, Erica Berry. The irony of that one, Erica Berry also reached out to us on Twitter after last week's episode and said, hey, great episode, but I think I want to stab Darren for getting Kokomo stuck <laughs> in my head. So she wrote a really nice five-star review, but also you know threatened physical violence against I, me. I completely approve of that. Okay. <laughs> but
2: the reviews were, were positive for John and I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well kind of, kind of took shots at Darren this yeah. way.
0: You guys weren't even mentioned. Let's just <laughs> clarify. <laughs> yeah. What I thought about after she said the, the thing about Kokomo is that I realized after last week's episode that the team is not called the Kokomo Kings. They're called the Kamoka Kings. <laughs> but our, yeah. But our show sheet autocorrected it and I just went with Kokomo because I didn't know <laughs> the, the real name. <laughs> So like well and now we have to play Kokomo at the end of the episode well, so Kokomo
2: deserves a hockey team I think
0: it, it really honest. does yeah hey it's episode 25 it's a humongous episode we had a big guest this week Mr mm-hmm. Dave Christian Uh, of Team USA fame. He was on the 1980 Miracle on Ice team. Played, I think, was it 15 seasons?
1: 15 years, yeah. 15 years
0: in the NHL. We had a really, really fun talk with him, which we'll get to in a little bit, so make sure you stick around. Also, the trade deadline passed on Monday. We are recording on Tuesday morning, so obviously it's all very fresh and just settling. So we'll give tons of talk there. Uh, And before we do that, we'll do a quick recap of uh, of John's Ronald McDonald House Hockey Challenge, which happened this past weekend as well. So, lots to chat about. I don't know if it's the John's Hockey Challenge. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) this is Darren Brown, aka at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Joined as always by our best hockey writer in Seattle, Mr. Andy Hyde. Good morning. At Andy eyed on the Twitter, well. Right. and the founder of nhl to seattlecom John Barr. Hello, Hello.
1: I'm not going to say good morning because somebody might be listening to this in the afternoon.
0: That's a good point. I
1: think our listeners are mostly morning
0: listeners. Uh, oh,
1: that's, know. that's a bad know.
0: you know Andy what they I'm say, say Just about assuming. Making, yeah. making that up. Also, the uh, proud owner of Bardown Studios, which is where we're recording from here in, in Seattle. Yeah, Palatial Estate slash studio <laughs> it's like I, this is what i imagine dr dre has right yes. His, i think it's yeah. like a replica uh-huh very similar yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right let's kick it over to our whl correspondent for a quick whl update our whl correspondent of course is andy eyed hello Andy. <laughs> <laughs> hello again uh yeah we're getting down the stretch
2: there's like only nine ten games left uh for the local clubs here, uh, you know, the Everett Silvertips are still hanging on to first place in the U.S. Division. they got a tight tight race going on with Vancouver, the Vancouver Giants, for the top spot in the Western Conference. They're like neck and neck. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, that obviously would, would you know, be, be home ice advantage if you got all the way to the finals. Uh, Seattle, they, they've they been playing well. They've won what, uh, uh, three out of five. They got points in four out of five. Uh, points is what they're after. They've beaten Everett twice, which is big for them because that was a, a bad matchup for them before the season. Uh, they've Beat Everett in overtime on Saturday up in up at Angel of the Wind, which was a big game for them. Uh, blew a three-nothing lead the next night to Portland though, but still got it into overtime and uh and got a point. So they're five points up on the last playoff spot. Uh, they're, they're ahead of the Kamloops Blazers.
0: Kamloops does have two games in hand. There you go. So get out and see them. There's not too many games left. Do they have a lot of home games left?
2: Uh, yeah, Seattle's got like four or five more home games. Okay, yeah.
0: so get out and see them. Same with the Silver Tips. I think the Silver Tips only have a couple home games left. So, yeah, um, yeah lots to lots to see. Lots of good hockey to watch right now. Both teams obviously are going to be playoff teams, it sounds like, so, right? Yeah, uh, hopefully. <laughs> Seattle's, <laughs> Seattle's, on. Seattle's on the bubble, but they're right now they're in a good position. And they're playing well. Yep. Yeah. And as we mentioned, the hockey challenge happened this last week as well at the Accesso Shore Center. John, I know you're a big participant in that.
1: Yeah, that was the day of the Portland-Seattle game. The big thing is it's for the Ronald McDonald House. The whole event probably is going to raise between 150 dollars and $200,000 when they hit that target, I, I believe. And uh, my team's raised 30k, and then I put out a challenge to the community that I would match up to 3000 and we exceeded that. So that, That's was, awesome. that was impressive. And I was very thankful for all you that uh, contributed because every little bit makes a difference and, and it goes a long way at the Ronald McDonald House. Uh, anyway, it was a great, great game during the day. And then there was an all star game after, and Glenn Goodall came out, and that was pretty fun. You could tell he had some sick mitts, as yes. they say. Yes. Yeah. Maybe the
2: speed is a little bit gone in his yeah.
1: age now, but he still can handle it. Oh, yeah.
2: The puck. <laughs> yeah. You could tell, like, it's like, don't bother. And
1: then uh, I mean, Ty- he was looking to
2: dish. I, yeah, I, I jumped yeah. with him after that. You got to shoot more.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler Allos was, I don't know when. He played with the Thunderbirds, but it was like uh, four years ago. years ago. Okay. Yeah, and
2: then he was an assistant coach. And
1: I, so I was out on the ice against him, and the second he got it, he would just—he's so smooth and so fast, it was like ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and he, and he, it wasn't even going all out. He would just get enough separation from you. So and he had a good rivalry going with Steve Conowalchuk, right? yeah, who was who was his coach, yeah, yeah. And
2: those two used to go at it in morning skate. Uh, drills with the with the scratches, and so they had a lot of fun together. Yeah, they yeah
1: they looked like they were having a good time. Yeah, they were Walshuk. tripping each other the whole time. Good event all around. And then we we also had Molly Donner out there. Played four years at Wisconsin. Ah, yeah, she was she was, a she was awesome, and she really <laughs> stood out. She had two goals, but yeah. uh, we were hoping she'd get the hat trick. But she kept on dishing it to mm-hmm. people, so that was it was awesome to see her out there. It, anyway, it was a great event. Great cause. I don't know if you saw some of the sponsors of oh, the event. I don't know.
0: I noticed. Yeah, I feel like I saw some pictures, but nothing really <laughs> stuck out to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh,
1: as a surprise, I donated some money for Sound of Hockey to to sponsor the hockey challenge. So that was kind of a fun and a surprise for you guys that uh, I didn't really tell you about. So now, <laughs> now we're gonna have a new banner addition to the
0: studio. So yeah. pretty As cool. if it wasn't beautiful enough already. <laughs> that's true so, yeah by the way John did you did you present your donation in form of a gigantic check <laughs> no check oh, all electronic yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah let's get on to the trade talk. Obviously, Monday was the deadline. Wow, there was a lot of movement around the NHL. Pretty much every team had something happen, I think. But we're going to kind of break it down rather than just reading you the the trade tracker and tell you what all the trades are. We're going to go with all the teams that were kind of uh, the most active. We're going to talk about those. So if you want to look at the trade tracker, just Google NHL trade tracker and you'll see the myriad of trades that did happen. Let's start with the Vegas Golden Knights. So they really just made one big move, and that was to bring in... I guess you could say he was kind of the biggest fish on the trade market. And Mark Stone, uh, not only did they trade for him, but then they immediately signed him for an eight-year deal, $9 million per. I mean, this is a gigantic move for them. Uh, you know, another indication from the Senators that they're about done. Who, You know, they, they give away their, their guy who is about to hit 30 goals for the first time. Good 200-foot player, and I would argue their best player, even better than Matt Duchesne, who they also traded. By
2: the way, <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I, I love this deal for Vegas. You know, they, you know,
2: I think Washington last year exposed that they didn't have a very deep uh, forward line or a top six. They had the one big line. So this just adds to that. This gives them an, another top six player. Uh, Stone was was one of the, the like you said, the, the biggest fish out there, and he was going to be probably one of the top free
0: agents next summer, but that's now no longer an option since yeah. he signed, which is great for Vegas. And yeah, it really, really limits the free agency market yep. this year. Cause there were only really a couple of big forwards that were supposed to be available and he was one of them. So yeah. Vegas also, that. I mean, Vegas a lot of people don't feel that they really had
2: to give up too much for that. Uh, some people like that. The, the biggest, Name was of the, the prospect uh, Eric Banstrom. Yeah, but Vegas had over the last year and a half since they've existed, I guess, accumulated a lot of assets and in, mm-hmm. in prospects and draft picks, and so they're able to make these kind of trades. They gave up, they gave up some futures, but but boy, they 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 just loaded up here.
0: We've talked about it quite a bit, right? Like that was the the huge success of the Vegas uh, expansion draft was not only so much that they put together a team that was immediately successful, but they were able to gather up so many draft picks and and prospects for future yep. that they're going to be a great team and now they're they're able to use some of those extra assets to get even better veteran players in there so they are a team to suddenly fear as i mean they were already but <laughs> They just got a lot better. By the way, I don't know if you guys saw this. Well, a couple of things. One, there was a very funny Photoshop of uh, the, what the Senators team from three years ago that went to the conference finals. Somebody on Twitter took their uh, team photo and Photoshopped their either their current team jersey onto them or if they've re- retired, they put them in like a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and then they left all the guys that are still with the Senators and they're down to like five guys from that team that That's was- incredible. It's really crazy how much movement yeah. has happened there. The other thing, Mark Stone arriving mm, in yeah. Las Vegas in <laughs> fanfare, in true Vegas fashion. The the Golden Knights sent out like their their drum line with oh, the, man. Yeah, the lights That's and they awesome. had like Vegas showgirls that, there to. The creepy him mascot off. was there. Yep, gave chance him a high five as he got ridiculous. off the off the plane. So Is chance, chance, yeah, chance the creepy thing. Yeah. yep <laughs> Right. That's what they call <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. OK, moving on to the Nashville Predators of the stacked Central Division. They 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 made a few big, big deals. And, you know, they're obviously a really good team. They're at the top of the Central, at least as we're recording this uh, one point ahead of Winnipeg. They bring in Mikael Granlund from the Minnesota Wild. I'm not going to talk too much about that because I don't want to you know, get into the minutia of the Wild. They traded him one. way <laughs> One for one for Kevin Fiala, who's a, a young player. Granlund, r- obviously a really good playmaker, adds a lot to their top six. Also bring in Wayne Simmons for Ryan Hartman and, uh, and a fourth rounder uh, from Philadelphia. Simmons, I love. I, he's not <laughs> a guy that I've... Him. Yeah, he's, he's always been a guy that like I, I don't get to watch him that much. Mm-hmm. But when I do, he always stands out to me. And he's such a tough, physical dude. He's fast and smooth. He's probably lost a little bit of his speed now because he's getting a little bit older. Mm-hmm. But... Man, that is a guy that I would really he can like play to have up have. down I've the seen. lineup for
2: you. I think he, play, he he plays in all situations. He's, he's always been a, a favorite of mine too.
0: Well,
1: the big thing they brought him in for is the power play, and maybe even mm-hmm. Grandland to some extent. They're thirty yep. first in the league in power yep. play efficiency. So Simmons Simmons, I love. He definitely hasn't played as well the last couple of years. He was he had that crazy injury. I don't know where he had like five different injuries. I think that was last but year. He also played on some. Mediocre to bad.
0: For yeah, the teams yeah. Was well, he the one that was playing with his torn groin or something like yeah, that? Like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, is that important to skate? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I've,
1: it's kind of in that not, area. I don't know. Yeah. Simmons is pretty big for them, and I don't really think they have to give up too much. Uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be pretty good in in the playoffs, and he's he's a player that's built for the yep. playoffs, and yep. that's that's where. I love to see him, and when and the fact that Philly wasn't going to make the playoffs bummed me out because yeah. that means he wouldn't be in the playoffs. So it's great to see him in the playoffs. He's he's a warrior in the playoffs. I love watching him. So it should be it should be good. The Boyle and McLeod are are kind of de- more depth plays, but even oils chipping in, too. Yeah. So I think they countered really well to Winnipeg, and we'll talk about Winnipeg in a second. So we know
2: everyone in our listening audience loves minutia. I have a, I have a fun minutia fact about Wayne Simmons, that the first NHL game he ever saw, he played in. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I'd never been to an NHL game before.
1: That is i never heard that. Well, that's because yep. he's from Toronto, probably, and... Didn't, yeah. Couldn't get into it. I mean, you I mean, watched him on TV, but the first one you right. ever attended, he oh, played in. That's Holy fast pretty In L.A., movie. right, Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: Wow. I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Minutia. Yeah. Minutia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's more you
0: know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the Dallas Stars. Oh. Now, the, <laughs> this one, uh. you kind of can't make it up. They really made one big deal, bringing in Matt Zugarello from the New York Rangers. By the way, before we even get into this conversation, let's have a quick check in with Henrik Lundqvist, who was giving his uh, thoughts on losing his good friend and teammate to the Dallas Stars. It's tough. Good friend. Sorry. I can't do it. So there you go. He's, He's pretty choked up about it. He actually has tears in his eyes in that video. Uh, obviously it's a reminder that these guys are human and they have feelings and all that stuff. Then again, Hank has quite a few things going for him still. So I have he's quite a <laughs> handsome man. He's quite a handsome man. <laughs> Arguably one of the, you know, one of the better goalies of our generation and uh, Although I do feel bad for him that he's that he didn't get traded and that he may mm-hmm. never win the Stanley Cup. Uh, if he sticks with New York. But. Yeah, good point. Is is he the best goalie <laughs> never to win this Oh, no, no. Just I'm
2: not even going to comment on that.
0: Uh, is, is he the Rick Nash of goalies? <laughs> yes, yeah. he's the Rick Nash of goalies. <laughs> anyway, so Zuccarello, the, the tragedy here is that, like I said, the Stars made one big deal. Zuccarello plays, I think it was two periods? Mm-hmm. Scores a goal, goal. yep, Mm -hmm. and then breaks his arm. Done for the season. There's uh, there's nothing you can do if you're
2: Dallas. There's no guarantees of anything, right? That's That's a a bummer, though. You trade away some assets
0: and you get two periods. That's it. That is all you can do. All right, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. So, again, really one big deal. They had a couple of depth moves as well, but their big deal, speaking of bringing guys in from the Rangers, they bring in Kevin Hayes, who's a a big, you know, centerman. Uh, He has a rental, which... Should we define what a rental is? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. So a rental player, if you're not familiar, is somebody who uh, they're on the last year of their contract. Their contract is expiring after this year. So you trade for them at the deadline, get a couple months of, well, month, month, two months. (laughs) Hopefully more (laughs) if if your team goes deep uh, in the playoffs. and, And that's really all it is. And then you can... Theoretically re-sign them, but a lot of times it ends up with them just signing somewhere else in free agency. So uh, that's what a rental player is. Kevin Hayes, at least right now, he looks like a true rental, um, but we'll see if he ends up re-signing in Winnipeg. They gave up uh, a young player in Brendan Lemieux, who I think is Claude Lemieux's son, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as well as a fourth rounder and a first round pick as well. So it's pretty much the Paul Stastny trade that they made last year at the deadline all over again, it's almost the exact same like price that they paid and everything. Yeah, and the rental. Yep. Yeah, and, and to fill the second line center role. So. Well, and
1: Hayes is really designed to get Line A going. Yeah. Because um, uh, Line A's struggled very, the second yeah. half. Yeah, the he's season. really had
0: a tough season with 28 goals. <laughs> well, remember like 20 like, of them we like were in the first couple of months. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we were
2: debating about whether or not he could get, get, right? to 60 yeah. at one point.
0: Yeah. So anyway, it's that's a big move. I mean, the Jets, as we've mentioned quite a few times in this podcast, like they are a really deep team yep. uh, offensively. They have good goaltending. So uh, they are poised, in my opinion, to make a, another deep run in well, the playoffs. And, so. and them and what Nashville did, yeah. is sets up
2: another, you know, unfortunately a second-round
0: clash. Uh, the San Jose Sharks. John, I want you to really get deep into the minutia of this one. <laughs> (laughs) Gustav Nyquist has been
1: traded to the Sharks uh, for a second and third rounder. Really good forward. Um, and helps them, but the, the reality <laughs> is they, they need help in the goal goaltending, and so the playoffs are a little different. Yeah. I, I don't know how you add a goalie like this late in
0: the game. Well, there was talk that they were going to try to get Ryan Miller. I know I saw a lot of reports on that from the Ducks, and I think Ryan Miller said he didn't want to tra- get traded. Well, but I'm also that, that not sure. That good news for San Yeah, already. I'm not sure that really adds that <laughs> I mean, that that's the point. There's nobody – well, right. Except except uh, maybe
1: Columbus. So, oh. Or, yeah. So, anyway, I think it's a good, <laughs> good depth trade. I'm actually not a big fan of big trade di- deadline deals because mm-hmm. I, I think it always works out. Or it, it only works out for one of the teams. So, we're talking about all these teams. Only one of them is going to win the cup. And yeah. some of them might not even make it past the second round. Well, it could be Tampa Bay who made no, no trades. Really. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, either way, I don't think they gave up too much i think i'm just i'm just a big fan of holding on to picks and building a prospect pool so we'll see how that works out i think he he had a no trade clause and it was one of the few teams that he would he said he would play for so maybe maybe there's an opportunity for him to play beyond this year uh, so maybe turning that rental into a more of a long-term deal. But we'll see. He hasn't played a game yet, so we're going to see how he does. Yeah, and San Jose's got some,
2: some salary issues.
1: Yeah, Pavelski. Like Pavelski and yeah.
2: Carlson, who are going to be free agents.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason, so that's why I'm not a big fan of
0: like, getting rid of a bunch of draft picks. <laughs> and finally... The Columbus Blue Jackets, who kind of lost their minds a little bit. <laughs> I, I mean, you got to hand it to Yarmo uh, Kekalainen, Kekula, who put—I mean, he put all his chips on the table here. Oh, yeah. So basically, we talked about Artemi Panarin and uh, Sergei Bobrovsky tw- quite a bit on this podcast. Like, we'd really beat it to death. And played buy seller hold a few times, but what should we do? Uh, I said sell, sell, sell. John, I think, was on my bandwagon on that one a yeah, little bit, yeah. sort of. And Andy said, "Let's hold these guys," but you essentially said, "Let's just hold," right? Yep. Like
1: with the intent of making a playoff, run, yes, right. right. Not yep. really the thought of re-signing them. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yep. Yeah, I, I, I just felt like they they had some pieces that they could be good in the playoff. You I mean, mm-hmm. look at the bracket they're going to be in in that Metro Division; they, they could they could they could easily do some damage.
0: Right, they could do some damage. Before and now they come in and and like I said they kind of lost their minds so they trade for (laughs) Matt Duchesne, who I mean that would have been one of the biggest trades the deadline then they traded for Ryan Dzingel his his teammate from Ottawa who is also a a pretty solid offensive player then they bring in bruising defenseman Adam McQuaid and finally they bring in uh, backup goalie Keith Kincaid which I didn't really understand that That was a bit of a head scratcher yeah Yeah. Yeah. I mean they already have Bobrovsky and uh, is it Corposalo. Yep. The confusing thing there is that they have two goalies on the roster and maybe they were trying to move Bobrovsky and they needed a, a second yeah, that could have been veteran a goalie. goalie. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I was reading some clips on this and GMs were saying they've never seen anything like this at the deadline like just how big of a how many splashes they made. You're practically changing the
1: entire team. Yeah. The entire I mean, team way, yeah.
0: for a couple of guys that are rentals as well. They, and mentioned. they also
2: as good as we I think they're going to be now and I love what they did. If, I, if I'm a fan, I'm excited of Columbus, but they're, they don't have their playoff spot guaranteed. I mean, right. they're they're only. I mean, they're in third place in the in the Metro, but they're only a couple points out of the last wild card spot. So this this will probably help them. Um, but you know, it's it's a pretty risky move, I think, all around. But sometimes you got to do that. And for a franchise that's never won a playoff series, I think this is to me this is this is an exciting thing. Let's, let's make a run and see what happens. Yeah. And we'll settle, we'll figure it all out in the summer.
0: It may hurt in the future because yeah, they I gave know. up I mean, <laughs> pretty much this entire <laughs> next draft and, yeah. and some prospects as well. So but if you I, make a long run, it may not matter. As well, far as no, but go, you'll be happy. For a year. And then, yeah. and then <laughs> what happens? <right>? And then <laughs> they lose in the first round but of the playoffs. Kind if of they lose, <laughs> they'll
2: probably will lose Panarin and Bobrovsky. Yeah. They're, they're, they're their own rentals. Yeah. But they will have
1: tons of <clears> cap
2: space uh, because of that next year, like $13 million. But
1: superstars don't really go to free agency that often. So I think... I mean, they're going to be able to throw money at Matt Duchene, probably. Yep. And so mm-hmm. maybe there's an opportunity to get him yeah. back. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, success seems to fall him
0: around. Yeah. As does cameras and Ubers. But uh, <laughs> hey, let's get into our Dave Christian interview. This is a really fun talk. We now welcome on to Sound of Hockey another very special guest. We have. 15-year NHL veteran, over 1,000 games played in the NHL, close to 800 points, a member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, and a gold medal-winning member of the 1980 Miracle on Ice team. Welcome to Sound of Hockey, Dave Christian. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to you. So first and foremost, I have a really hard-hitting question for you here. Do you have any ill will towards Zach Parise these days? Uh, No,
3: I'm going to let it slide. He just passed me for uh, Minnesota-born players. Yeah, No, Zach's all right. We're, we're both, uh, University of North Dakota Fighting Sioux alum. So that's right. That that gets that carries that carries some weight.
0: There you go. Yeah. So up until just about a month ago, Dave was held the record for Minnesota-born players for goals scored in the NHL. So Zach has sadly taken that away from him. But as they say, records are made to be broken. So um, here's here's another hard-hitting question for you. I know the girls' team is already in, but how's it looking for the World boys making the state tournament this year?
3: You know what? I think I believe I think they uh, won their quarterfinal game. Uh, that tournament's going to come up March, uh, starts March 5th, I believe. I think the, the girls have set the bar fairly high, though. Right now, they're, uh, you know, they play this afternoon.
0: Yeah, I think I saw the girls are something like twenty three zero and one so that's decent. <laughs> can, can you explain the, the Warroad culture a little bit? Because obviously a lot of our listeners are here on the West Coast. They may not know too much about that town and, and what it's like growing up there. <laughs>
3: Well, you, get, you have a small town right up on the Canadian border, on, right on Lake of the Woods. Um, growing up there, it was known as the home of windows, walleyes, and hockey sticks. <laughs> uh, one of the best walleye fisheries in the world Lake of the woods uh, home of one of the largest window manufacturers in the world Marvin windows yeah and uh, when I growing up there my father and uncle ran a hockey stick manufacturing business back when uh, sticks were made of wood <laughs> which you can't find anymore yeah the water tower in town has uh cross hockey sticks on it Uh, hockey town usa and you know as a kid you can explain it as growing up you when you met your friends you met them you would meet at the rink and you had the ability to skate with whatever team might be practicing Uh, it didn't matter how old you were so we had variety of age groups and then you went home for dinner and ate as quick as you could and uh, went back for open hockey.
0: When when you were a little kid did you skate with like the old like the Peewees and the Bantams you think that really helped your development as a kid?
3: Yeah I think it was not only uh, being able to skate with you know older like Peewees and Bantam age kids but also uh, that night there was a senior hockey team played in the either the Hardy Cup or Allen Cup intermediate We're senior hockey in uh, Southern Manitoba League, so at at night, 10 o'clock at night, if you wanted to go up to the rink as a kid, you were skating with the senior hockey team, so you certainly learned a lot and and learned to respect the damage that could be done if you uh, got a little out of hand and somebody was certainly there to to set you straight.
2: So, so looking at your, your NHL career, you signed with uh, Winnipeg right after the Olympics. And uh, for what we understand, you scored seven seconds into your first shift. uh, That's a pretty (laughs) hard, high high bar to set. Is it, is it all downhill from there?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, then it just got easier.
2: (laughs) So I went, I played with the Olympic team
3: in, in Lake Placid, and didn't score a goal through the Olympics. Uh, I was playing defense, and Herb Brooks had had switched me uh, around Christmas time prior to the Olympics. So I spent a couple of months. He moved me from forward. I made that team as a forward. Christmas time, he moved me back to defense, spent the remainder of that exhibition year and the Olympics as a defenseman signed, went to Winnipeg, and yes yeah, so, so there was a second shift of the game an offensive zone face-off and uh, won the face-off and uh, the puck went D-to-D and I went to the net and uh, got a rebound sitting there and, and scored, so yeah, seven <laughs> seconds into the first NHL shift, having not scored a goal in, I don't know, probably a couple months.
2: <laughs> so, 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 so the key was to move you back to forward then? Well, Maybe, <laughs> but for years, I uh, Herb Brooks, who coached that Olympic team,
3: he would uh, every time I saw him, he would tell me that I was playing my career out of position. That <laughs> if I ever would, have, if I ever played for him, he would have moved me back to defense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so that Jets team that you joined had just won the the World Hockey Association Championship, and then the league came in and uh, they joined the NHL and they they disbanded those teams a little bit. So when you joined that, it's almost like an expansion team with a bunch of new guys. Uh, looking at, at the situation here in Seattle, what advice would you have for our fans? You know, for for if, if the first years a struggle like it was for you guys,
3: you know the way that it's set up, I think uh, you know Vegas is a fairly good model. I think in, in looking towards that that start in Seattle, I would think there would be a, a pretty good chance that your team is going to be competitive right from mm-hmm. the get go, uh, based on that Vegas model and how the the NHL has it set up for that expansion team now. But back then, I it was a struggle. They really had to redevelop and and you know, go out and find through the draft and whatnot, Mm. put in a whole new team together coming off the WHA and then, you know, join when they joined the merged and joined the NHL, they, they lost a lot of players. So uh, yeah, we, we struggled that first year. I went from, I I went from the penthouse to the outhouse. (laughs) Uh, We won Lake Placid. We win next year in Winnipeg. We won nine games uh, all year long. So it was tough. And uh, but it was you know it was tough for everybody involved fans city yeah. players everyone we added some added some players and and kind of they built it from there I was in Winnipeg for three years. So. Well, was so,
2: Bobby Hall still with the, with the Jets when you got there, or he moved on already? Bobby
3: he had moved on. Yeah, uh, the so we had Anders Hedberg, Alton right. They had moved. They had moved on.
1: So, uh, Davey, you played for Winnipeg, Washington, Boston. Um, St. Louis and Chicago. Any particular season or team that really stands out as as kind of one of your your more favorite or special times playing in the the NHL? Well,
3: I think they... They all did for a variety of reasons. I, I think I enjoyed my got my start in Winnipeg. Always uh, have a, a spot for that for that team. That was my opportunity. They gave me the opportunity to play uh, in the NHL and get my career started. So uh, I think every city was holds uh, a special reason. I, I and I spent the majority of my career I was in Washington D.C. Um, playing with the Capitals. You know we had some fantastic. Regular seasons in Washington, and and we we just did not have the same success uh, playoff-wise in Washington. And then I went to Boston and played in a, a Stanley Cup final where we uh, got we got beat by Edmonton. Uh, so the you know
1: every city that I played in was for me was a great it was a good experience uh, i enjoyed them all you spoke about boston i think you you were uh playing under mike milbury and and i'm just wondering how that experience was and uh any shoes thrown in the locker room after a tough loss <laughs> <laughs> no no shoes thrown
3: in uh i don't remember you know going into the stands either uh <laughs> when I was in
2: Boston, <laughs> before your time, <laughs> with, skates, with skates on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so you mentioned that you went from Winnipeg to Washington, and that was a trade. And I believe later you got traded. So you've been through some trades. And we have the NHL trade deadline coming up here in, in a couple of days. What, what's that like to be a player? Either either hearing the hearing that you might be getting traded or actually getting traded.
3: You know, it's uh, it's somewhat. Ner- it's always somewhat yeah. nerve wracking. Yeah. And
2: you, you're just never,
3: and we're going through it. You know they're going through it right with the Minnesota Wild here. They've made a couple of uh, deals recently, but it's kind of unsettling. You know they're the Wilder right now. They get the second second wild card, but it might be five points from you know being last. It's pretty crazy with uh, how tight it is. Uh, apart from a couple top two teams in the West, after that it gets pretty. It's uh, it's pretty tight.
2: And players today, you know, they the, the internet is such, plays such a big role. They probably hear all these trade rumors. Do you think that would be a little bit tougher than when you were playing? You didn't at least you didn't have to go online and hear all these things.
3: Exactly, I think it would be incredibly tough uh, and be a constant uh, barrage of of mm-hmm. if you know the stuff that's out there and being posted. Yeah, I I think it would be incredible to try to stay away. You know. Impossible to stay away from it, all the rumors and, and whatnot. So Was
0: David Poyle yeah, because your GM? It would be much
3: tougher. David Poyle was a GM when I was in Washington <laughs> That's for many wild. years.
0: That's wild.
3: Yep. Yeah. Still kicking. Still kicking, still still <laughs> doing an excellent job in Nashville.
0: Yeah, so, okay, so here's our, our Olympic questions, and we'll try to limit them to a few. But uh, <laughs> my, my favorite trivia question to ask people is always uh, who USA beat in the final game to win the gold medal. And everyone always gets that wrong because everyone thinks it's the Soviet Union, which uh, obviously you guys had to play another game. So I was always kind of curious how the how the reset to get ready to play Finland was. Was it, uh, was it something that, that Herb did or said? or was it just a general feeling in the locker room that we had to, you know, you guys had to finish the job or how did that all play out between those two games?
3: So the, it was probably the, the toughest part was that downtime after, you know, we, were, we all wanted to play that final game. So Friday, which 39 years ago today, yeah. <laughs> um, February 22nd, 39 years ago, was the game against the Soviet Union. And, and after that game, you know, we had a few minutes in the locker room and then Herb came in and, you know, reminded us that we had another game to play and against Finland. And that was Sunday. So Friday, Sunday, that that Saturday, that time between those games, that, that got, it was long. You know, everybody was <laughs> excited to to go play, it was took. It seemed like it was forever. All we wanted to do was <laughs> go play that final game. Saturday's practice was. It wasn't long, but it was might have been one of our tougher practices of of the whole year between games. And you know, it wasn't a long practice, but uh, it was tough. And and Herb refocused us. And then prior to the game starting, he came in the locker room and just made the comment, "Gentlemen, you don't win this game. No one will ever remember that you beat this." Soviet Union, and you'll take it to your effing grave. And that was all he said prior to that game. So it was at that point that I think the, the weight of the whole thing, we felt that. And uh, up until that point, really, the objective was to go out and, and play the best that you could. And at, and all of a sudden, now, it, you know, we had to win. And it took us two periods to uh, kind of get past that and let the nerves play out and then played a great, you know, we played an unbelievable third period. Um, uh, but yeah, everybody, the focus always is on that, the miracle game. Right. So yeah. game.
2: Now, speaking of miracle, it's not every, every day that you get a movie made about a part of your life or a piece of your life where somebody plays you in a movie. And obviously that movie miracle, uh, uh, everyone loves and, uh, the guy who played you was named I think Steven Kovalchik. Uh what did you think of his performance uh, of you no i
3: I think he he played me better than I do <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it was all right so he was very good so we enjoyed the, as as players we we got a chance to meet all the all those guys and they were for they were players uh, uh, and they cast him in the cast him in that movie uh, very well it was it was fun to watch the movie, and it was fun to meet those, meet everybody that was playing the parts of all the players.
2: And, and what kind of impact does that have, just on your life? I mean, you have this big event that everyone knows about, and then there, it gets comes up again with this movie. Did you get? To, is it like reliving it all again? Well, I think what it
3: did is uh, it brought that story to uh, the next generation. So for us, as players, people started coming up and relating everything to the movie. <laughs> uh, you know, so it kind of re. It relit that the interest and rekindled that interest in in the story. And like I said, it brought it to a, brought it to another generation.
1: So that game, the Miracle on Ice game, and the Olympic gold was obviously an epic accomplishment. Um, but I always, when you look at the the span of your NHL career, I always wonder if that that overshadows what you've accomplished in the NHL career, considering you've had like over a thousand games and over seven hundred points.
3: Well, I think uh, in a lot of respect, that was the high. It certainly was. The highlight of, of my hockey career, I, I think it was it was a, that event is um, and certainly um, playing with those players in that team. They, they were incredible teammates. Uh, we still keep in touch. And you know, one of our one of the teammates, Jack O'Callaghan, it, it stated at one point that hey, it, it wouldn't have mattered. You know, the, we still would have stayed in contact whether or not we would won. And uh, we formed a really strong bond, which was a big part of, of why we were able to have success. Uh, but we would have stayed in, in contact, and we would have remained really close regardless. Uh, at least we like to believe that that would have been the case. <laughs> yeah. um, so, it, you know, it's something that happened, but I think uh, everybody on that team would agree. Like, we're, we're more than just the fact that we won um, that Lake Placid Olympics. Right. Uh, as far as hockey goes, sure, yeah, it's that certainly is a highlight.
1: David, do you want to share any insight on the famous Christmas tree story and what what's <laughs> what's so special about a Christmas tree? Uh,
3: so we had uh, you get a lot of different personalities on that on that team, and uh, we were in Lake Placid for a a Christmas tournament, and a couple of the guys had a had decorated and in their had their room, and they were. I would, what you would call maybe, uh, your more serious type A personalities, and, uh, some guys that were, were a little bit more, a little more loose and a little more, uh, we just kind of in, in, enjoyed things. And we had some guys that would, uh, were known to, uh, pull some pranks, whatnot. So the tr- the Christmas tree went missing for a few days and there were, there was a tree that, uh, had some tinsel on it that was, uh. Appeared out on on Mirror Lake, right behind the hotel, <laughs> which you could see from every room. And there was a there was some open water to the ice, so there's no way you could go out on the ice and retrieve this tree. Which I know that per the person that was behind that whole thing, I know pretty well.
1: Mm. <laughs>
0: So Dave, I actually have a story for you. Uh, When I was a kid, I grew up in, in Minnesota as well, as our listeners are a little bit too well aware of. But I decided at an early age that I wanted to be a goalie. And so my first piece of goalie equipment was a Christian Brothers goalie sick? It was the red and black Chicago Kids model. Um, I got it for a Christmas present one year, so that was like the official announcement to the world that I was going to be a goalie, right? And so that same year, I was a mite. We actually playing for uh, Burnsville. We got we got tabs to play between periods at a Minnesota Moose game of the IHL. And yes, guess who was on that <laughs> team, Mr. Dave Christian? So after after that game, we waited around. My parents and I waited around for about an hour. And guess who I got to sign that Christian Brothers goalie stick. No way. Oh yes.
3: <laughs> Holy cow.
0: That's cra- that's crazy. You know, that was some of the most
3: fun I had playing the game. Really? With that with the Minnesota Moose International Hockey. Yeah. It uh yeah, it was re- it really was fun. The end of my career and uh, allowed me, you know, again to, to play with with a bunch of great teammates and and
0: we really, it really was fun. Yeah. So, what was that league kind of like? because I, I remember it, but I was pretty young at the time. Like, it, was it more of? a, I guess I don't know. Like, would you compare it to the to the AHL of today, or was it more like? I guess, how would you describe it?
3: You know, it was it was kind of a mix. I, there were a lot of really really skilled players in in that league, and um, Minnesota and Chicago, the Chicago Wolves were. The two northernmost teams in that league, and then the rest of the league was Atlanta, uh, Houston, Denver, Salt Lake City, San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Um, it, it was fun, and the league really was good. And it was there was a lot of skill in the league. So you might have you know a number of players that were would be you know third line, uh, and there were they were skilled in goal scorers, but they just weren't able to get the ice time to do that you know they maybe not top six forwards uh on an nhl team so you know the ice time wasn't there so they they weren't able to didn't have the ability to put up points to score goals and put up points so there were a lot of those players in that international league at that time and then you also you did also have the guys like myself that were at the end of their careers that you know didn't want to stop playing didn't want to go to Camp with an NHL team without a contract uh, and go through training camp not knowing where you might end up. Sure. Mm -hmm. So there were guys like myself that we. You know, we would sign with respective teams. And uh, so there's a, there a pretty good mix, but uh, there were some really good players Very playing cool. in that. We,
0: Very cool. Was Frank Saratori your
3: coach? Frank Saratori was. <laughs> he, uh... I don't know if you've ever, if you've seen some of the recent videos of Frank Saratori. Yeah, he was entertaining, to say the least. Very quotable as you can tell if you watched any of his uh, air force press conferences. Yeah, so we actually <laughs> oh, yeah. we played that
0: clip on our podcast a few episodes the where he was talking about the overtime, you know, he went home and had a decaf coffee and <laughs>
3: vanilla ice cream and all that. <laughs> That's one of them that I love. I, uh, another one that I really liked was uh, the road trip up to Alaska for a uh, back-to-back with at that time they both schools in Alaska were playing uh, in their league and they had to and he referred to the longest trip of his life because they went by dog and fled all the way up there
2: <laughs> 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 so speaking of coaches uh, you, you, we mentioned a few you heard Brooks uh uh, and you've had a lot. Uh, who would you say was your favorite coach? Oh man, uh, you know what? I put might put my dad up there.
1: Good answer. My uh, yes. nice favorite answer. coach. <laughs> uh,
3: you know, it was uh, tougher. You're always toughest on your kids, right? And there was no difference there. But uh, that, that was fun. Uh, Brian Murray in Washington with the mm-hmm. Capitals. Incredible practice. Ran a fabulous practice. Uh, Mike Milbury in. In Boston, I really enjoyed and respected him for his ability to be able to read the game. And, you know, if you if you were having an off night, you didn't play as much. If you were on, didn't matter where, you're, where you were in the salary structure. If you, you were having a good game, you played a ton. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, I learned from all of them, without a doubt. I learned from all of them.
1: So, uh, switching gears a little bit, um, I know you're familiar with the Seattle Metropolitans and even the Seattle Totems. So I'm wondering if you have a suggestion for the name of the NHL Seattle franchise, because both those names get bannered about. It's a, it's a topic I really avoid. Uh, <laughs> but I'm wondering if you have perspective, since you, you do have that knowledge you're there. Avoiding
3: that, you're avoiding that topic? Why would that be? <laughs>
1: it's it's easily <laughs> it's the most unavoidable, contentious. Right? <laughs> I just figure I'm I'm gonna like the team regardless. So so the podcast yep. we, we've come up with uh our own name and it's called <laughs> the Crap Weasels, but I was wondering what your suggestion would be. <laughs> I don't know. I probably I'm probably partial to the totems.
3: Right. That goes way back to uh early sixties. My dad and uncle had a short stint with the with the Seattle totems. Oh nice. Um, yeah on a trial basis. I can't go back as to, I'm aware of the Metropolitans, but really, you know, the connection, I guess, would probably be with the Seattle Totems.
1: It seems it seems to get a lot of attention, the Totems, I think, even more than the Metropolitans, yeah. so you might be onto something there. And then, uh, what are you doing to keep busy these days? Anything hockey-related? Have you been playing? Do you get together with the boys? What's What's been going on in the life of Dave Christian? Oh,
3: you know, every six months or so, I might get out and skate, but as far as hockey hockey goes, I'm I'm a fan. I get to a handful of wild games during the year. I keep busy. I work for a residential glass company, Cardinal Glass. That keeps me busy. And I do ice skate. I got a game this weekend coming up uh, with the Hendrickson Foundation. I was started by Larry Hendrickson, who was our strength and conditioning coach on that 80 Olympic team. And he has a foundation. Available. Hockey changes lives, making hockey available for um, – wounded warriors. Uh, they got a sled hockey division. Great. We're going to go take part in, in with that this weekend. Mr.
0: Hendrickson, he passed away this, this past year, right? Did he have a big impact on your life? You know, he was, um, he did went through the once,
3: you know, basically when my career was over, it was just, it wasn't, you know, the, that part of the conditioning probably wasn't as prevalent at that time as it is now. Uh, but, yeah he was he was always there he's always a really positive person and he touched so many lives with hockey and continues to do so even even now even that he's even though he's passed the Hendrickson Foundation is uh, creating opportunities for people to enjoy the game and from all facets and uh, truly uh, hockey changes lives and I it, it certainly has for me his legacy Larry's Larry Legend, his legacy lives
0: on. It certainly does and his his son Darby is uh he's still one of the coaches for the Wild put a long time in the NHL. So, we'll move on now to our uh, our buy seller hold which we like to play with our our guests. So, our first buy seller hold topic for you Dave is the World Warriors will win their next boys state championship before the University of North Dakota wins its next NCAA championship. Buy seller hold. <laughs> I'm gonna hold. Very safe. safe. Okay. I'm gonna, ride, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna ride the
3: fence on that one. It could uh, be a okay. while for both of them.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay, you'll love this next one then. Buy seller hold. The Seattle NHL franchise will win a Stanley Cup before the Minnesota Wild. Buy, sell, or hold. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb living in Minnesota. I'm gonna buy that one. <laughs> that's good and we're keeping score down the road just so you know
2: you come from an olympic hockey family you played i believe your father and you had uncles who played for team usa Uh, so buy seller hold nhl players should be allowed to play in the olympics
3: Uh, from a player standpoint i'll buy it Mm -hmm. i think they really want i think they really do enjoy it and there's there's no doubt the level of hockey is incredible when the nhl does participate
0: last buy seller hold here your your nephew brock nelson uh, he's on the Islanders. We haven't really mentioned that, but they're obviously having a pretty good year. So our our buy seller hold is that the Islanders will win the Metropolitan Division.
3: I'll buy that. Nice. To this point in the season, the way that they're playing and and the way it looks, so yeah, I'll buy. It. They'll win that. Yeah. Have division. you
0: have you talked to Brock at all about the sort of the impact that Barry Trotz has had on that team?
3: I have not been able to. They visit uh, the Wild coming up, I believe towards the end of March. Uh, so I'll get to that game and see him. I can't see how. Uh, he would think anything other than he's had an unbelievable impact based on, you know, where they, where they were, the, Team dynamic, how the team has changed. You know, losing Tavares and every, the expectations were, you know, the not being able to replace him. But my goodness, it's uh, it's been quite a turnaround.
0: Yeah. All right. So when you see him, let him know that Sound of Hockey has some questions, and if he can just ask those <laughs> and then report back, that'd be great. All right.
1: Next, we'll patch him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Islanders are kind of a, a, a like a subtle fan favorite over here because uh, Matthew Barzell and even Thomas Hickey played for the Seattle Thunderbirds. For a while, so there's a lot of a lot right. of people watching the Islanders here, and and I I know I certainly watch them just because they're really exciting right now.
3: That's that is awesome. You get some ties to the island. That's
0: true. That's, that's right. <laughs> a little far away, but yeah. All right, well, Dave, thank you, thank you so much for doing this. This has been a lot of fun, uh, at least for us. Hopefully, you've you've semi enjoyed yourself as well. Now I got to go back to work. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Appreciate good. it. Thank you. All right, so that was Dave Christian. Thank you so much, Dave, for joining us. What a fun chat that was. Uh, you know. I was really proud to be able to tell him, you know, my story about getting my stick autographed and He loved him. that. He, he thought that was great. <laughs> I think he did. What's well, funny is I went and watched Miracle after talking to him just because
2: I wanted to like, I want to go watch Miracle again. I hadn't seen that in a long time. And he talked in the, in our interview about how uh, he got moved from, from forward to defense yeah. uh, by Herb Brooks. And there's actually a line in the movie where the Herb Brooks character, which is played by Kurt Russell, and he actually you actually hear him say, well, I'm moving Christian back to defense. Mm. It's just a throwaway line. Yeah, that, that I you don't even have, pick up on. Exactly. Yeah. I probably would never have even noticed, but now that we had just talked to him, I'm like, oh, yeah, he talked about that. The funny thing <laughs> in, about that
1: movie that it's so focused on the Boston guys. Oh, yeah. But like the Minnesota guys, and then Mark Johnson were like pretty huge contributors to that team. Yeah, so it's it's almost overshadowed. It sells it like it's a Boston story, which Jimmy Craig and uh, Rizzioni were obviously significant portions mm-hmm. of that. Team, but the Minnesota guys kind of get buried in that one in in the in the Disney version. So, well, Disney has long had an anti-Minnesota
0: bias. That's, That's true, I hear. Oh, I know <laughs> that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That whole Mighty Ducks thing—that was BS. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into our segments. The first one. Oh, goalie gear, corner! <laughs> We had the stadium series this past week, which, say what you want, you know, this is one of those outdoor games that Nick Katsunika loves, but maybe the general public has grown a little bit weary of. The stadium series game was in Philadelphia. It featured the Philadelphia Flyers against the Pittsburgh Penguins. uh, What I thought was cool in terms of a goalie gear point of view. Matt Murray had a pretty good setup for this one. It was all black with yellow touches, which we haven't really seen that before. I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Um, and then at the other end, Brian Elliott, which, by the way, he played instead of Carter Hart, who I guess was injured. Am I right well, about that?
2: That's the Flyer fans don't believe that, but that's what the team is saying. Uh-huh. Well, he's out for 10 days still. Yeah, so, but the, okay. the, the, you, you read the Flyer fans, I think it's all a big cover-up. Oh, right. I'm sure. <laughs>
0: well, Flyer fans are pretty <laughs> rational about the yeah, goaltenders. Yeah, they're pretty logical. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Brian Elliott had a, a pretty cool Philadelphia Eagles helmet. It was orange to match his Flyers jersey, but then he had the Eagles wings on top of his mask. thought that was pretty good luck. You know, generally, these games bring out some some creativity from the netminders. So I thought we should touch on that. On on the topic of the game, uh, this has been Gold Gear Corner, by the way. On the topic of the game, (laughs) the teams wore like very simple orange and very simple black uniforms, which I thought was pretty cool. You had a colored uniform against a colored uniform versus, you know, light against dark. I thought that was great, but they had these really stupid helmets Yes. That had like giant logos on the side yeah. of them that like covered half their head. It was distracting. Uh, it was, was very busy. distracting. Too busy, I thought. Yeah, I think that the uniforms would have been a huge success if it weren't for those. Oh man, stupid I like them. Okay. I like the full colors. Yeah. You so liked, liked the that. helmets, John? Yeah, I didn't mind oh, them. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> other things that happened in this Gritty had a pretty good entrance oh, yeah. where he rappelled down from the, the top of Lincoln Financial Field. That was yeah. pretty cool. And then he was caught streaking uh, in the middle of the game. Now, I have some questions about this. <laughs> he stripped
2: off his uniform. Stripped
0: off his uniform, went running across the, you know, the field next to next to the rink uh, and they played like the Benny Hill song while he did it. <laughs> the security that was chasing him had him in their grasp and he got away running at about 2 miles an hour and then they all chased after him and couldn't catch him. I mean, I don't know.
1: I, he's he's pretty quick. Like he's he's elusive. He's mm-hmm. a big guy, but he's elusive. If you're a security guy, how close do you wanna to get to that guy? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> let somebody
2: else tie. Or let him tire
0: out and then we'll yeah. get him. Like I don't wanna like I don't know. <sighs> Have mm-hmm. to tackle this. You guy. and your anti gritty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a fine event. I, it's it's exactly what we expected to be at this point. The the, the ratings series.
1: actually were were up, yeah. um, believe it or not. Huh? Um, and it was a good game because it, it did go. No to flyers it. came yeah. back. They yeah. were.
0: I think they were down two and scored two goals with an empty net to tie it. So yeah, pretty good and, game so. One, and one overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know who was a big part of that? Wayne Simmons. Now, <laughs> no, now no, no. I'm the true, National Predators. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to our weekly one timers. Our first weekly one timer. Joe Thornton almost had to pull his cock <laughs> out before. <laughs> there's our bleep horn. After scoring, I guess it was three goals, almost scoring his fourth goal against the Bruins this past week. Now the story behind this, and John, you may you may be able to tell it better than I, but or this, I might
1: tell people just to Google it. Yeah, you might want to just <laughs> Google
0: it. But here's what happened. Back when Tomas Hurdle was a, a rookie, he scored four goals in one of his like first few games that yep. he played, right? Yep. And the fourth goal, he went between his legs. Yeah. and then went shelf it was like a ridiculous which the
1: Don Cherry's of the world hated oh yes well,
0: but he and he celebrated yes. it and they
1: were like up like eight to two or something yeah, like right. that, that, that that's the time. part that the Don Cherry
0: so then in the in the locker room I don't know if it was the same night or, or a couple days later reporters had started to turn the story to hey it's not this great thing that you scored four goals as a rookie it was that you were showboating right mm-hmm. and so Thornton's sitting in like the next locker a couple lockers over and he says he says something along the lines of like, "What you're giving him about celebrating his fourth goal? If if I scored four goals in a game, I'd pull my cock out and start smoking it." And so, so as he gets to this hat trick now in this most recent game, everyone on Twitter was going crazy, like, "Oh, is is he gonna is he gonna do it? Is he gonna yeah. score his fourth goal and then pull it out?" So,
1: and supposedly there was a chant going on. The rooster, yeah. rooster at the game,
0: <laughs> pulling for the rooster trick. Uh, yep. I would have
2: loved to have seen it just to, just to see what he would have done. He would have had to make some. Well, know, I don't think he or something actually would no, have pulled it he, out. But he might have like pretended
1: to do. Nah, it. Well, and it's been like been a kind of a San Jose legend. Like I, that I believe four year, five year, yeah. But I believe like Marlow had four goals, or maybe Pavelski did, and so and even like the Twitter, the San Jose Sharks Twitter account is like uh oh, you're the rooster. <laughs> like anytime, buddy <anybody laughs> scores. Four goals. It's it's a big deal, and yeah. Th- those original
2: comments also caused some controversy in the in the hockey writers' world because he kind of said it. He wasn't the one being interviewed, and right. so there was a debate about was that off the record or not. But in hindsight, I think it's glad. I think we're all glad that it got reported.
0: Uh, our next weekly one timer. I think it was the same night. Pierre Maguire, <laughs> our friend and buddy, was between the benches for Tampa Bay at Columbus, and he was like sort of paying attention, but sort of not. And a puck comes right past his his big bald dome as and as close as it could possibly be as close as it could hitting. possibly be to hitting him i mean it was like a millimeter from hitting him right in the face and it instead hits the camera lens and there's actually like an angle where you can see the puck coming from pretty far away and it just brushes <laughs> past pierre's face and hits the camera it's fantastic absolutely fantastic
2: and, and the fans were all rooting for the puck well no oh, no, let's, no let's stop <laughs> They're there not- we you don't know, wish personal for, arm. Exactly. I was. I said there were fans who were. Reading. You are yeah. a fan, aren't you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. You're, you're a journalist. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. It was quite the video. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoops, a couple of stars were suspended in the past uh, week or two here. Connor McDavid got two games for a hit to the head on Nick Letty of the New York Islanders. And also, Evgeny Malkin was suspended, uh, but he's already back for uh, swinging his stick at Raffle of the Flyers. Raffle had kind of punched him in the back of the head, and his reaction was to (laughs) turn around and whip his stick (laughs) at head level. And and, uh, he did actually— Well, he he sort of caught him, but didn't cause any injury because I think he got him in the helmet. Yeah. Pretty pretty reckless play. I mean, I know if you get punched in the back of the head, you're going to do something to react. But it oh was boy, a pretty if reckless. That had hit, play. If that had hit it, rough on the head like or full
2: on, that would have been it. Would have been a pretty a real bad. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, we've seen this from Malkin before. He kind of can get frustrated at the end yep. of games sometimes. And didn't I, he, he cross check Oshie? Was it Oshie cross checked high? It on the head? was. He well, he, I don't think he cross checked him, but he caught him with his that's shoulder right, coming. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was a very questionable hit, and then yep. he got thrown out of that game. So that's I think the second time this season now that he's had a little bit of discipline issues. So anyway. A couple of stars there getting a little dirty. Our next weekly one-timer, Roberto Luongo, now third place all-time for NHL wins. I got to tell you, I didn't even realize that he was approaching that kind of... Level, I guess he goes under the radar a lot because he's been in yeah with the Panthers. You know, obviously he. Oh, played... don't forget
2: the Islanders or the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I won't forget the Canucks. But he played for the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where he
2: started with the Islanders. Yeah, Mike Milbury. Oh, originally he from... played
0: for the Islanders. Yeah, that's where oh, he started. with okay. I think I, th- I think it was I
2: Islanders, think... Florida, Vancouver, Florida.
0: I think Mark Parrish was involved in a Luongo trade. Mm. That's how long ago? <laughs> All right. Some wild minutia there, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I I didn't realize that uh, that he had gotten as, as wait 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 that's not wild. I, I know, on I'm on. just kidding. <laughs> I caught the subtle. That's, just that's Minnesota. <laughs> uh, but he, so he surpasses Eddie Belfour. The only guys that he has uh, in front of him now are Patrick Watt and Martin Brodeur. So that's pretty pretty rarefied air. He's far from catching those guys, but. I, I just had no idea that he had been that yeah, successful. And I think he in still NHL wants to game. play a
2: couple years or two. And yeah, I think he's
1: got one or two more years. Yeah, he's he's also like Ryan Miller. He's going to play his Ryan Miller years in <laughs> yeah. Florida. He's also one of the funnier goaltenders you ever come oh, across.
2: Like his Twitter his Twitter handle mm-hmm. Strombone is yep. worth a follow and. Mm-hmm. For a long time, when that Strombone one showed up, he never admitted that was him. He would tweet things that made it sound like it was him, but for the longest time, he wouldn't He
0: wouldn't acknowledge that. Well, he's still, then, he's still not verified. He's still not right. verified, so there's there's still like some mystery around it. But he's, he's, got he's got like a his, his avatar is a, yeah. is a profile of a goalie with a question mark yeah, on it. Yeah. <laughs> our next weekly one-timer, and this is our final weekly one-timer, Ilya Kovalchuk has, now that he's playing for the Los Angeles Kings, he has finally listed his Alpine, New Jersey home. How much do you guys think he's selling it for? Well, I know because it's written right here. Okay. Well, you could have played <laughs> along with that, Andy.
1: And <laughs> like, what's news to me is that he still has a home in New Jersey. Well, right? yeah, yeah, that is
0: amazing. But $18 million is what he's listed it at. Dollars. And if you see a picture of this thing, it is like a castle. Like it is, it's got like turrets and moats and it's, it is crazy. Well, How big this is. Remember that
2: contract you signed in New Jersey was, was just stupid. It was yeah. ridiculous. It was long and for like all the money. Like, literally, all the money. So, mm-hmm. it makes sense that he has
0: an $18 million home. There. I noticed on the blueprint that they put in the Forbes story that uh, he has uh, an arts and crafts room. I'm curious what kind of arts and crafts he does. Probably looks, <laughs> looks very similar to the studio. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, is he? We talked about Rick Nash maybe being the best player to ever win. Is he the, the richest player to ever win anything? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> made.
0: Yeah, that he that made.
2: I might give you, Andy. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: He has made a lot of money in his career, both in the NHL and in the KHL. Uh-huh. And he's just. Just double-dipped his way to selling his $18 and million. And I believe a former estate. Atlanta Thrasher. That's right. All right. And let's wrap up the show with games on the radar. John, what do you have?
1: So I am headed to Boston tomorrow night. That's Wednesday night. And it just so happens I'll be in town with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the oh. Boston Bruins game. Oh. So I'm definitely going to check that game out. I don't have a ticket. Yeah. Uh (laughs) So if you know anybody. Any listeners out there? uh, Just kidding. No, I've already started scoping them. So uh, I'm pretty fired up about that. And uh, I'm actually a little bit beyond the games on my radar. I think I'm going to go check out Northeastern Female, the women's hockey game. Uh, they're in the Hockey's playoffs, and then definitely going to check out the Boston Pride. There you go. Friend of the program. That's right. And see <laughs> Lexi Bender on Saturday night. So if you're there, go there. You have a lot of games on your radar, then. Yeah, that's I, like know, I know. But the <laughs> NHL game is. Yeah. <laughs> Andy? Well,
2: I'm going to go with uh what we have in our show notes as the John Tavareses versus the New York Islanders. Yeah. Uh, that's on Thursday the 28th. That's in New York. That's John Tavares' return, which I don't think is going to be a warm welcome. No, I, don't think I think so. the fans are not too pleased with uh, Mr. Tavares and his bedsheets. And mm-hmm. the
1: Islanders beat Toronto in Toronto the For first game they played. So this is going to be uh it's going to be an interesting benchmark game for the playoffs, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't really talked about the Islanders enough as contenders. We talk about them a lot, yep. but. But it's like, okay, we need to start believing that they're a pretty good team. And yeah. I think it it should be a good benchmark game to see how they do against Toronto again. Plus, they made no moves in the trade deadline. That's right. Stood Which down. was same with super smart. Same yeah. with the
0: Maple Leafs. Although the Maple Leafs did get muzzin, yeah. you know, two weeks yeah. before, right? Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. And finally, my game on the radar, March 1st, we have also the Islanders who will welcome the Washington Capitals. So some <laughs> interesting history there because obviously Barry Trotz is the coach. Of the Islanders won the cup last year at the Capitals. That one will be on NBCS it's a little bit earlier, though, because it's on the East Coast. So I think it starts at uh, four o'clock our time here on the Pacific. And this is
1: so. it's cool that we have the Islanders on our radar because tie in with Dave Christian.
0: There you go. And Brock Nelson. His nephew. Right, right. I was, like, yeah. I was like, I don't even <laughs> think he played for the Islanders. <laughs> I'm a little confused. But anyway, yeah. So once again, thank you to Dave Christian for joining us. Thank you, Erica Berry and to MN in Seattle. Is that what the other one was called? Seattle MN. Seattle or MN. MN, MN, MN or, yeah, even though you. Cinnamon. You know, I, your feedback has been heard loud and clear. We appreciate it. Allegedly. But, yeah. But no, we really, really do appreciate the five star review <laughs> and the kind comments. And uh, if you haven't written us one, please do get out and write one. We will talk to you all next week for episode 26. Thanks so much for joining us.